my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here tonight with Tom Abitzer. How are you, Tom? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing in California? I miss it over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, it hasn't gotten cold there yet in Minnesota, so you, uh, you, you're not going to miss it too much until then, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Tom is a 2020 graduate of our program, and he is currently the game and event entertainment coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. And um, we are going to talk about what he's currently doing. He's doing some really exciting stuff that I'm excited. I'm really really super pumped that he's going to get to share uh, some of what he's currently doing with you all. But um, I think he has a really, I think he has a really great story and a story that, that uh, I think many people can relate to. And, um, and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get there to the Vikings, but uh, let's go back. Uh, Tom, remind me where you're from. So I'm originally from the East coast. I grew up in a small town called Metuchen, New Jersey. And, Central Jersey, so definitely nowhere near Cal Poly by any means. And it honestly was a very cool growing up period. I loved living on the East Coast. I think it made me tough. I think it made me hungry to achieve a lot. It's always go, go, go over there. Uh But yeah, I grew up over there and I'm proud to be from the East Coast. Right on. Tell me the name of that place again. Called Metuchen, New Jersey. Metuchen, New Jersey. I thought that's what you said. I've never heard of that. Um, but wow. Um, Central New Jersey. Yeah. So pretty beautiful, right? Isn't that like um, uh, a lot of parks and um, and open space, which is surprising. Most people don't think about that when they think about New Jersey. But no, yeah, a lot of recreation. And I think like I was only like 30 minutes away from the shore, 30 minutes away ah, from New York City. So I was kind of in the right. sweet spot if I got everything. Right. The shore. I love that. The shore. I remember I used to go to the shore growing up. I have a, I had a, my, uh, my stepmom's family is uh, from Jersey and had a place on the shore. Um, and so I would go uh, for uh, two weeks every, every summer. So tell me now, what was it? Uh, what was it like growing up there? What were what did your what did your folks do? Did you have any siblings? All that jazz. Yeah. So family wise, I have but my mom. She was a stay at home growing up. Mom, she also taught yoga on the side. So I definitely yeah. learned a little tricks from her along the way. Um, nice. But dad, he worked um, in tech in New York City. Did a lot of consulting. So. Definitely nothing near what I'm doing. Um, I have a twin brother, actually, and he is currently located in Nashville, Tennessee. No way. Yeah, he works for Eventbrite, so the ticketing company, and he does success for them, so... We're kind of, we're in the same time zone, which is great, but we're not close enough. <laughs> right, right, right. But you're you're in the same industry. That's really kind. That's really wild. Uh, that that uh, that you both ended up in some form of events there, right? Yeah, I think for us, like growing up, like I pro- I played like probably every sport possible. My mom wanted me to try everything. Did many yep. of them stick? Not really. Right. Um, but I think sports was always in the back of my mind. I was an NBA guy growing up, like still right. to this day. Right. To see my Warriors in the Western Conference Finals right now. Right. But in high school, me and my brother actually worked for our production team for the theater. Like, I didn't have any experience whatsoever in theater. Like, I'm not an actor, not any of that. I also had no production experience, but my English teacher, like, freshman year of high school, came up to me. She's like, you should join like the technical crew for our theater. I was like, I don't know. And then she's like, no, 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 come out, like come to a meeting, see what it's like. And maybe you'll like it. Yeah. Uh, and I did. And later on that year, I became like the head of lighting for all theater productions. And I think no way. That, that experience where I think both my brother and I kind of opened our eyes to events, production and all of that. And I think yeah. that's kind of telling to where I am now. I was going to say really telling to where you are now. That's really wild. So uh, let's talk a little bit. Obviously, it's pretty interesting that you ended up in um, at Cal Poly. So let's talk about that story. What was that path like? 
Yeah, it's kind of interesting. So my parents, like after, like before graduating high school, they're like, we're moving to California. We're over the snow. We're not doing it anymore. So apply to schools in California. Um, And weird enough, like in high school, I was really good at like math and science. So I always thought like, oh, maybe I'll go into a career in that area. And I was looking at a bunch of schools. Cal Poly has very high programs in both math and science departments. Yeah. And then one summer, my family and I took a trip over to California and kind of did a whole road trip from up in the Bay down to LA. We stopped in slow and we took a tour of Cal Poly. And I think from that experience, like I just had that gut feeling that this was the place I was supposed to be. And like, Uh that's kind of my life in a nutshell. I'm always on a gut feeling type of Uh um, mode. And I I knew that Cal Poly was going to be the option if I got in. So went through the application process. I came in as a mathematics major. Yeah. Um, So very different. And I got in and that's kind of my path to Cal Poly at the beginning. Right. Right. Well, how long, how long did you end up um, staying a a math major? Not very long at all. It was within the first quarter that I was like, there's no way this is going to work for me. And I was even looking at majors and spoke to Dr. Hendricks about RPTA now experience industry management, just thinking that maybe this was going to be the direction I was going to go in. I, I think that little voice in my head saying, I don't want to do anything that's like mathematics based or practical. I kind of want to be Right. out of the box and be in a field where I can get my hands dirty. I'm not yeah. confined to a desk nine to five type of situation. I get to go out there and do some pretty incredible things. And I think that's what EIM is all about. And that's kind of how I ended up in the major. Right. I love it. That's so great. Well, you know, I'm, um, I think I've told you before that I'm, I'm good friends with like, uh, a number of, of uh, math professors here in Cal Poly. Uh, my, my poker group is almost all math professors. And uh, so I know we have a fabulous math program, but um, but I also know from them that, that you pretty much have to want to teach math. I mean, that's pretty much what our, our, uh, our math program here at Cal Poly is set up for. So let's talk about now once you got into the major. So I, I obviously um, know how involved you were. And, um, you know, uh, I, I think that's when I when I think back uh, about the qualities that, that you brought forward in in your your college career, I feel like you said yes a lot. Right. I look back and I see all the things that you did. And um, and I know that there can be. Um, you know, there can be a tendency towards burnout when you say yes too many times. Um, but, um, you know, those experiences that you get um, are, are just so invaluable for forming, um, you know, who you are and, and building your professional development. Um, so I'm not going to ask you to go through all of those, but I, I, I would love for you to kind of pick out a couple if you can think of uh, or if you can maybe narrow it, narrow it down to two that you feel like were just really great professional development opportunities that you're so happy you raised your hand for and and said yes to? No, there are definitely a couple that come to mind. And I definitely, you can definitely see that I do say yes a lot. And I think that's very intentional of why I did it. I think coming into the major, yes, I had an idea that I want to be in sports, but I didn't want to confine myself to that, like automatically be like, this is the career path for me. This is where I'm going to end up. And I really think that every experience you have, whether it's good or bad, you learn something about it. You learn about maybe I don't like this. Maybe this is not where I want to be, or maybe I want to learn a little bit more. And I think there were a couple, I think the number one thing that comes to mind is the auction and dinner. I think that is was very out of my realm. Like I wasn't in the events concentration. Most of the people in the auction and dinner committee were. So it was kind of like stepping out of that comfort zone and be like, let me dip my toes in events and special events and see what that's like. And I think that experience was great because it was, it was 
for college credit, but it didn't feel like a class. It, right. it felt like it was, we have an event to put on. We have clients to impress. We have money to raise for this event. Uh-huh. But it felt like we're on the job and like we have to do a really good job because it's a reflection on not only the committee, but also the department and all of that. And right. it was a really cool experience to work under Amber. I know she has like so many accomplishments in her career. She's so well known in the events industry that I just kind of wanted to be surrounded by those type of people. And right. be a I, sponge. Yeah, exactly. I think I always say this to people, the people you surround yourself with are the people you become. And you got to be very particular about that as you go along in your career. So being able to work under someone who's a leader in the industry was a really cool experience. I loved everything about it. Um, and I think another opportunity that comes to mind is um, EIM Club. I think I was involved in the major. I liked being involved in the major, but I did want to kind of build on that professional development, especially in the public speaking realm. I am definitely a lot better than I was when I first came to Cal Poly. I, I speak in meetings all the time, but it's not something that happens overnight. It's definitely very intimidating. And I, I'm a person that can read rooms and I'm an overthinker sometimes. So <laughs> I was like, I need to kind of push myself to something that might make me uncomfortable where I'm in front of a club. If even if there was five people, 20 people, whatever it is to just yep. practice that and build on that leadership experience. Cause I think that goes a long way, especially in sports, you're trying to pave the path for other people and you need to be in those uncomfortable positions where you are in the room, you have to speak up. And if yeah. you don't speak up, then your opinions won't ever be heard. And maybe your ideas won't reach the scope of where you want to go at the end of the day. Yeah, that's such, that's such great advice. And um, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm an overthinker too. And I, I have a problem sometimes in front of the room, you know, like when, when someone's talking or someone's not listening or someone's sleeping, like, I have a tendency to internalize it, you know, like, oh, they, they hate me or I'm doing terrible or whatever, <laughs> you know? And so, uh, yeah, uh, I can recommend a book for, uh, to you. I'm, I'm reading a book right now called, uh, soundtracks and it's, um, it's about overthinking and, um, and how to like, uh, how to, um, overcome that, that element of overthinking that we, we both share there. So let's talk about, um, I, I know you, you also had some, some really meaningful job experiences, um, while you, what, you know, both while you were here and then, um, moving out into your internship, obviously I want to get to that internship because, um, it's, uh, you, you had some, some highlights and you had some lowlights <laughs> and you had some, uh, moments that are, that will live, um, that will live forever. Um, uh, so, so we'll get there eventually, but let, let's talk a, a little bit about, um, your experience. You, you were one that, that got an internship that was not your official internship. You know, we have a, a lot of times we have students who get really upset that like their internship won't count towards their official internship. Right. But what, the way we kind of look at it is that like, Hey, you, you, you want to, you should have as many internships as you can get. Like, Use those yeah. summers, um, use those summers to your advantage. And, um, and I know you did that. So can you talk about how you got the position with the Sparks and, and um, in the WNBA and, and what that was like? No, yeah, I'll kind of backtrack a little bit. So prior, I think any internship or any experience, especially in sports, the more you have, the better it it's all about how much experience you have, how many connections you make in those experiences yeah. that kind of take you to the next level. And I think once getting into the major, my number one goal was get as much experience as possible. Cause it's one thing to only go to class, do a few projects, present, do a few outside stuff, but it's another thing to kind of go outside of that and really go into the industry. If you're passionate about events, if you're passionate about parks and rec, if you're passionate about sports, go out there and get those experiences because they're out there. And yeah. for me, yeah. I started off with the blues here in slow and that yeah. was yeah. the experience that kind of honestly helped me get to the LA sparks because 
it was an opportunity. I was a marketing and promotions intern, but that title is very vague because it's a marketing and promotions intern. We really did it all. We did everything from mm-hmm. food and beverage, VIP experiences, um, kids zone. Uh, I even worked scoreboard. I had almost no knowledge of baseball. So to put me up at the scoreboard was <laughs> criminal, but <laughs> I learned it pretty quickly on the fly. Um, I but I think from that experience, you look at it as once again, like, what do you like and what you don't like? And I think the part I enjoyed the most was the on-field marketing and entertainment. I think I loved being out on the field, just activating all types of stuff for the fans to kind of engage them during those breaks and to just see that instant reaction. Like that was like a click for me of like, that's kind of cool. Like, I don't want to see if like, that's a career out there. Uh huh. Um, So following that slow blues experience, I uh, applied for an internship with the LA Sparks um, in the WNBA. And it was definitely kind of daunting to apply for something in professional sports so early on because I didn't really think I had the experience for that at that point, but went through the interview process. And when my former supervisor said, hey, you want to move to LA for the summer and work at a Staples Center? I was like, sign me up. I'll be there. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely super exciting once I got that call, but it was also, let's show them what I got. You know, like I think the, those inter- internship experiences, they don't always lead to full-time opportunities or if you're going to continue in the organization, but they do open doors for you in the future if you impress your supervisors and really take it to the next level. So I was a game operations and entertainment intern for the Sparks. um, And it kind of varied game by game that we rotated between different um, game day activities, whether it's the games that go on on the court, whether it's our entertainment, if that's a national anthem, a halftime, we had like a special moment for local artists to sing during a break as well. So even working with mascots, in-house dance teams. So it really was like a crash course into game entertainment on the WNBA level. And it was really cool to work in LA, work at an iconic venue and really be able to be at the grassroots of sports, especially in WNBA. Like, even though it was in LA, like it's still very hard to get people in the building. I think many people think that the LA market is very profitable and people are going to come to every game. Every game is going to be sold out. Like that is not true across the board. Like I was speaking with the Rams the other month and even them like Super Bowl champions, like they even have issues with filling up their stadiums to sold out capacity. So in that experience, you're just looking at it and saying, how can I make people come to games? And for me, that's entertainment. Like, get them to their seats so they can have a fun time. If you're not a basketball fan, well, you're going to see a really cool halftime act that's going to blow you away and your kids are going to love it. So that experience was amazing, but it also opened my eyes to what I like within the industry, what I want to focus on. And for me, like entertainment was the number one thing. And my, one of my former supervisors kind of saw that in me and something that happens before every game, before gates open, most people probably don't even know that like there's hours of rehearsals that go into everything that happens on a game day, whether that's testing out all the video board elements, testing out our national anthem singer, making sure they know the words, all of that. And she knew that I had a liking to that and allowed me to, by the end of the season, lead court rehearsals and be in charge of every entertainment act that would come into the building. And really go over like, what's the deal? How, when are you going to be here? When are you going to meet me? Like how much time you have all of yep. that. And that to me, like really stood out to me from my experience. So I was like, you know what? Like people see something in me and like, I want to impress them and I want to make a name for myself in this industry. So yeah, I'm all about getting those internship experiences before you get to your senior year at Cal Poly and figure out what you want, because you want to go into the internship experience at Cal Poly, like with some type of direction of where you want to go. It's no guarantee you're going to love the experience or anything like that. But if you're going to something that you kind of already have a passion for, like you're able to take it really far and really like expand on your knowledge through that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I love it. And as you're talking, I, I, you know, I, I thought back to what you, what you said earlier about, 
um, saying yes to the theater production and, and the lighting. And, and, you know, you, you obviously had no idea in, in saying yes to that and going down that path that, that you would end up where you are now. Right. Or, or when you were with the sparks even, right. But that I can imagine that having that experience, um, you know, was a, was a building block or a stepping stone for you. And, um, and so I, I just, I just love that. It just, uh, just makes me smile thinking about it. So let's, uh, let's fast forward a little bit, right. Uh, to, um, you know, the, uh, the, the clock's about to strike, uh, 2020 and, uh, you're looking for an internship. And, um, I, I know, I know it's always a stressful time for, for every student, um, trying to find an internship and, you know, you, you build towards that. And, um, even though you'd already had a pretty successful one, obviously with the sparks, um, you, you still needed your official one, um, so to speak. Um, so can you talk, talk us through that process and, um, and how that went? Yeah, that's it's reminding me of a lot of different things that went on in that time. I think you could look at like the experience that I had thus far and say, you know what, like he's going to land something like that's good. It's going to be easy as pie, like no issues whatsoever. And that was not the case at all. It was actually a very stressful last quarter at Cal Poly trying to find that next opportunity. But I, at the end of the day with sports, like it is super competitive. There are only so many teams. There are only so many spots and there are many talented people out there going for those same spots. And yes, I could have really good experience and I could have impressed the people in interviews, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to get it by any means. And I was going through a lot of interview processes with several teams and it kind of stings when you make it to that final round and you're like, it's not you. Like, you're like, that's hard to not take that personally and be like, man, like that's the one I really wanted. I thought that was going to be it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also, I'm a huge believer in that everything truly happens for a reason and that certain doors open for you for a certain reason. And that's kind of how I ended up in my internship. I remember I was talking to Dr. Rue, like a few weeks before I even started interviewing with the Oklahoma city thunder saying, you know what, I don't know if I'm going to get an internship by like winter quarter. Like I might have to take a quarter off and keep on looking. So that's how real it was. And yeah, I remember her telling me that. I remember her telling me that I was, I was so, cause you know, we, we care about you guys so much. And when we hear something like that, you know, I, I was just, I was upset for you and I was cheering for you and, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, I, I, but I do remember her telling me that. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was definitely tough, but like out of like a week later after that conversation, um, I applied for a job with the Oklahoma city thunder in the NBA, um, for their game and event presentation associate role. Um, and I went through the interview process and it was one of the most positive experiences because it, I think many times when you're going through interviews, it feels so routine. It feels forced in ways. And I'm a very personality based person and I feel uh-huh. off people and stuff like that. So I, in interviews, I don't want it to be like that. I want it to be like, we're having a conversation and getting to know each other. And it's not like, why are you the perfect person? All of that. It's sometimes just like intimidating and also everyone's asked the same questions, but in my interview with the thunder, it just felt very organic and it felt like, we were just having a conversation about life and that like told me a lot about the organization and made me want to work for them even more. And I was like, regardless if I get it or not, like I have a positive attitude about them because they really went out of their way to speak to someone they barely knew and made it a positive experience. Um, so I went through the interview process and then like two weeks before I walked graduation stage, like 2019 follows the last one before everyone knows what happens next. Um, and I got a call from my former supervisor and he's like, can you move to Oklahoma in two weeks? And that's like a, that's a very loaded question. Cause I'm like, not from there. It's in the middle of the country. I've been right. a coast to coast kind of guy right. so far in my life. So it was a 
it wasn't even a hard decision. I, I said yes, like within seconds. Um, but it's definitely something I look back on. I'm like, wow, I really said yes to like moving to Oklahoma like that quickly. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, let's talk about that experience. Um, obviously, uh, y- you know, I know what happened. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, if people are starting to to think about the timeline, I mean, we're talking this was uh, December 2019 that that uh, that. Tom got that call, and then uh, I guess you moved. Uh, was it was it January, or were you were you there in December? I, I started in December. I, I worked my first game the second day on the job. <laughs> wow! Wow! Yeah. So December two thousand nineteen, and um, and and let's start by just talking about that experience. You know, I, I you sent me a couple pictures, and there was there were obviously some really big highlights there um that season um russell westbrook ha- had left um okc at that point um but uh his ret- you got a chance to to be there for his return game and you sent me a couple pic you, you sent me one picture in particular that was pretty awesome with with russell waving to the crowd and you there uh you're in the picture and that's pretty cool but uh so what was that experience like the the first half of that season you know leading up to what we all know happened in <laughs> in March no yeah it was it was a dream come true. Like, uh, as I said earlier, like I'm an NBA super fan, like in so many ways. So to in a way make it there, like it was like a goosebump, like pinch me type of moment of like, is this my life? Like, and it was so exciting, like right from the get go to just be kind of ingrained in the chaos of it all right at the beginning. And I was out there on the court activating all of our promotions, all of our half times, half court shots, all the fun activities you see at a game day in the NBA. But it was definitely a little different than the Sparks because with the Sparks, they were probably about like seven to 10 of us interns really activating everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the Thunder, there were only four of us associates and my manager. So like, yeah. There weren't a lot of people. And when you think of the NBA, you're like, oh, like this is a big level. Like, uh-huh. hopefully there's a lot of people out there helping. But it was it was a very small team. But that kind of was great for me in a personal and professional growth type of way in that I was thrown right into it. And I was expected to really have a voice and have my hands on everything game day. I was yeah. running around the court, whether it be getting our halftime out there, going upstairs to get a camera shot with our MCs who are doing a giveaway. So it was a, so much fun and really awesome to be a part of a great organization, the NBA, and really mm-hmm. see what it takes to produce something like that. And I think when you look back at that Russell Westbrook moment, where that was, I think, like two weeks onto the job and it, my boss was like, yeah, Russell Westbrook's coming back. He was in Houston at the time. We we're going to create like a video to like kind of honor him. And I remember we were all standing on court level before gates opened and they played the video for us. And like, everyone was like brought to tears just of like how great it was. And like, I'm not a Thunder fan, but like, that's hard not to be like, wow like that's that's the nba right there there's right. that tradition of honoring everyone who's ever come on to a team and the legacy they leave behind and obviously russ did that in okc so when it came to that game time moment where we were going to introduce him and let him watch that video it was crazy to have like twenty thousand fans just like on their feet like in complete silence just like taken in that moment and those are the moments I live for the most on game days, just yeah. seeing like such a large mass of people behind one singular message or one singular moment yeah. in that game. And then once he ran out, he does this signature run out moment and he did it in OKC in his return, like fans went nuts. And I remember my boss and that picture that you, I shared with you, my boss, like two minutes before said, stand right here. And I was like, okay, I don't know why. And he's like, you'll see. And he like knew that he was going to do something like that and like put me in that position to just kind of take that in as a what a cool boss. 
And I, oh, wow, I, was, what like, I was geeking out after. I was like, I can't believe you did that. But yeah, I think that was definitely a highlight for me. And another thing that comes to mind is Kobe Bryant died that year too, early in 2020. And obviously he has a lasting impact world NBA, like whatever you name it. And I think every NBA team after his passing kind of did their own special thing to honor him and the legacy he left on the league. And it was cool to be in the room with the people deciding what the thunder we're going to do. And I think that's like every sport industry dream to be a part of those really moments that will only happen once. Right. Yeah. Um, Etched in history. Yeah, exactly. And it was a cool experience because my boss knew I I'm from like, I lived in California and he knew I like worked at Staples center price. So he knew that like, I was also a Kobe fan yeah. um, growing up and all of that. And he interrupted the meeting with like executives and really high up people within the organization and, looked me right in the eye and asked, what do you think we should do? And I think that is like huge to have someone that will kind of vouch for you in that way and actually cares about your opinion, whether people will go with your idea or not. Like right. that is what it's all about. And those are the people I look up to most in the industry, yeah. the people that want to see the success of the next generation. So yeah. I remember kind of like almost like, freaking out in that moment. I was like, am I, I really going to talk right now in front of all these executives about this? Right. Um, but that was definitely a tough situation, but also a cool learning opportunity for myself. And to be a part of something that special um, was great. Um, I was part of like half the season of the Thunder, but then the infamous day of March 11th, 2020 came up. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't think that um, obviously most most people are, are know what we're talking about, but I I don't necessarily know that everyone, unless you're a hardcore sports fan, knows that there was actually one game that um, kind of ended up being almost like the center of it all, right? And um, um, people kind of remember that Rudy Gobert was maybe had something to do with it or right. But, but okay. Okay. See thunder weren't, weren't they at the center of the shutdown? Yeah. So it, it was at our home court. It was a home game. I, I remember like that day so vividly because we had like several meetings in the morning about COVID-19 and how the NBA was going to tackle it and how cautious we need to be about it. Like even from our personal job standpoint, a lot of our activations involve going center court. If, for example, we have kids that are team captains of the game, they're usually at center court, get a player to sign the ball, photo op, live camera shot, all of that. Mm -hmm. um, and we had to kind of cut a lot of things or modify it to be there's zero contact with players because we're not going to put people at risk and stuff like that. And it was felt like in a way that we were prepared for a situation and that like, I didn't think like, Oh, nothing's going to happen. Like everyone's following the protocols of what is being put out there. And it just came so fast. I remember we were right at tip off and we have this classic song that's played at tip off. And then once it ends, that's when the game starts. So the song goes through and it stops and then it starts playing again. And then I look at that situation and I'm like, that's never happened before. That's a little strange. What's going on? Um, what's happening basically. And I, so I was on ClearCom, which is the headsets. A lot of people in game presentation used to communicate from a production end. It's right. kind of like a, a sports walkie talkie. That's what I like to call it. Um, right. But I had heard things and there was things about, medical personnel coming onto the court to speak to the referees and stuff like that. And you just see that play out. But I think from our end as an entertainment department, our job is to keep people in their seats excited and not think that anything's going wrong at the end of the day. So right. there was a lot of deliberation amongst refs, players exited the court, but we were in full, let's entertain our crowd mode. We were throwing out our halftime acts we were doing t-shirt toss we we're just trying to keep the energy up before 
anything was announced before we knew anything. And after about 30 to 40 minutes, that's when um, the league kind of came to us saying that this game is not happening. It's postponed and that everyone basically needs to leave the building. Um, But when you kind of live in that, you're like, oh, this is not a big deal. Like you're like COVID-19 wasn't as known as people would figure out a month later. And we were like, oh, this game's postponed. We'll play next week, basically. But it was definitely a very eerie feeling in that building. There was a sense of like, what's next? You know, like I, I remember walking to the parking lot after looking at my boss saying, will we play another game this season? I like, I told him that up front and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, And then we all know how that plays out that there wasn't. And the NBA kind of shut down for a few months before going into the bubble. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that, that was that, am I right? That that was like ground zero, right? That was like the, the, that that was, that was the sports. That was the game that that shut down sports. I remember we were, we were kind of, since my team was in contact with players from the Utah jazz, like we were told to be quarantined in the office for a couple hours after. And, uh-huh. I remember just watching Sports Center, and I was just like, "Why are we on TV? Like, what is going on?" And yeah. that kind of became, as you said, ground zero for yeah. the sports world. And what was going to happen next was the the world shut down, sports yeah. shut down, all yeah, of it. Yeah, it just cascaded from there. It was a, it was really pretty amazing. I think it was the, I think it was the example that people needed to see that COVID nineteen wasn't a joke. Like, I right. think. I think sports has that power with the platform. And when you see it on such a large level, like I think that shook the world a little bit. I think it it made people turn their heads a little bit of like, maybe we should look a little bit more into what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Well, so let's talk about uh, that period. I know that had to be a a rough one. I mean, uh, you know, I ended up seeing you. Uh, I ended up passing you in slow, like walking a couple times during that period, uh, during the shutdown. And and um, and you know, uh, to OKC, to the Thunder's credit, I mean, um, I think we were we were able to work it out where where your your internship was um, was um, complete was was completed. Right? How did how did all that work? Remind me of, of that. Yeah. So. I, it's weird. Like I, that was one of the first things I thought I was like, well, this is my internship. I have to get a certain amount of hours to fulfill it and all of that. And I remember calling and texting both you and Dr. Rue about the situation. I remember you guys checking, like, were you there? All of that. And mm-hmm. I think um, that was definitely like, felt like that's when the end was going to come. But from ending the internship standpoint, we were able to kind of, um, I created like a comprehensive like overview of my experience with the OKC Thunder, everything I learned. And mm-hmm. I remember sending you the slideshow and I even presented it to both my manager and a few other people at the Thunder just so they could have it. Um, yeah. But that was the final project of my time there. And yeah. it wasn't yeah. too much later that that my job was no longer going to be there. And I, I, understood it that not no one really had any job left to do there um so that's when i moved back to california and lived in slow during the shutdown yeah yeah and so let's let's talk about that interim period i know that had to be you know it was obviously a scary and uncertain time for for everyone but particularly when you're out of out of work and you just graduated college and you know you're trying to find your way um you know, can you talk to us a little bit about um, what that was like, and and um, you know how you in, how you engaged your your own mental health and 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 stayed upbeat and and um, and and what you did and how you ended up you know with your current position. No, yeah, I I think when I was in it, I think I wasn't. I think I was a little angry about the situation, to be honest, and yeah looking back at it now i'm kind of grateful that i had that time it was i think a really much needed reset i think coming out of college going right into the industry and like just go 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 all the time i think it definitely was a huge thing and it was definitely exhausting at times um so when i came back i was definitely 
not too hopeful, hopeful about what the future would be for me in sports, just because there weren't any, like most sports were shut down and once things opened up, there were no fans in many buildings for the most part. And for the specific part of the industry that I'm in, like you need fans in the building for that. Like that's very, to be hired, you need to have a packed building. So the yeah. people that were within those game presentation departments, they weren't hiring. They were just keeping the people that they already had. And yeah. for many of them that it was kind of a difficult time because they were laid off even like months later because they realized that there wasn't much of a job to be done. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely tough to like watch your industry in a way, like be like one of the most affected in ways. I think events industry, all of it, it's, it's all about people. And when you don't have them in the room, that kind of takes a lot of, away from it. Um, but for me, during the pandemic, a huge thing for me was, you know, if I am not get, getting a job in sports right now, how can I leverage myself to be ready when that opportunity comes? How am I yeah. going to still be in those rooms and have my name in the back of people's minds at the end of the day? So, right. I really took it as my motivation to take networking to the next level. Uh, I will say it a million times to make it in sports. Networking is probably number one on that list. It's for me, it's one thing for you to know the people in the industry, but it's another thing for them to know you. And that's kind of the mentality you have to come into it. It's who knows you and who's going to vouch for you. Um, So I was all over LinkedIn throughout the pandemic. I, message probably every possible manager director in game presentation on cross leagues nfl mlb nba all of it just to get on a call with them and really pick their brains on game presentation as a whole but also pick their brain on how are you guys handling the pandemic from your perspective because i feel like that's not being talked about and i think that's important to know because that would play a role into many arenas, many stadiums for years to come still to this day. Um, And it was really nice to kind of just hear different people's perspectives on the industry, how they came up in the industry, their journey. And you really learn that everyone's journey is completely different and there's no like correct or right path or anything like that. But I think if you have that inner drive and you're passionate and you're willing to fight for it, like, there's no reason that you won't make it at the end of the day. Um, So the funny thing is one of the people that I did speak with throughout the pandemic um, is my current boss. Um, He and I really hit it off like from our first call. I think we talked like April of 2020. So like right at the very beginning. Oh, wow. Um, And he got on a call with me and we really just had a great conversation and I was like, this guy is so impressive. I want to work for him one day. Like that would be so cool. And I def and I think with networking, sometimes you think you make that one call and that's it. Like you've done your, you've done your job basically. And that that's not what it is. It's, it's about building those relationships. You're going to meet a lot of people. You're going to like some of those people. You're not going to like some of those people. And that's the point of it. Like it's, it's with like any relationship in life, you're going to figure out what works with you, what works with your values. And my boss was one of those people that I was like, I'm going to continue that conversation over the course of the year. I, we've had, we had several phone calls and it was never about like, I have a job here for you. Like I'm going to get you here. It was just like two professionals trying to like figure each other out and really get to know each other. And that was really enjoyable. So when a position opened up at the Vikings, like, that went a really, really long way because he already knew me for over a year and we talked and he already knew what I brought to the table. So when it came time to apply and go through the interview process, it, it really wasn't a hard experience. It was enjoyable because in those interviews, it was, I just want to talk to you. It's not like I'm quizzing you or anything because I already know your experience with the Sparks, the Thunder, Slow Blues, all of it before. Yeah. And it was- just to get a feel of my personality with the rest of the team here at the Vikings. Um, and then within like a few weeks later after interviewing, I, I got the job and I ended up in Minnesota about a month later. 
That is really so cool. What a great, what a great story and what a great testament to networking. And, 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 you know, I, I think some people, Tom, um, and, and, and by some people, I'm really referring to myself, <laughs> um, struggle sometimes with networking, um, because, uh, maybe we're, you know, maybe we seem gregarious and, and outgoing and, 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 but really at our inner core, we're introverts. Right. And the, yeah. and the, the idea of like talking to people we don't know is scary. And, um, and particularly when there's work involved in it, right. And it's professionalism yeah. and that, that makes it more scary. And, um, and so just hearing you talk about this aspect of like building relationships is, is just, I think it's just so valuable because I, we, we talk network, 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 but now, but we never really tell people how to do it and what's involved in it. Right. And so um, what you just shared with us is just uh, so invaluable to um, to our current students and our prospective students and, and young professionals out there. So I really appreciate that. Um, so let's talk now about the excitement of this last year, you know, with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, you know, I, I know that that you, you you've talked to us about growing up and an NBA fan and being an NBA super fan and being there in an NBA arena, um, both, uh, you know, obviously an iconic one like, um, Staples center now, now crypto.com, uh, with the sparks. And, and then of course the, the Thunderdome with, uh, with the OKC thunder and, and, um, and, and being able to experience that that's one thing. And, and that's a huge stage. Um, but there is no bigger stage uh, in American sports than uh, than the NFL and and being inside an NFL arena with the the modern day gladiators, if you will, you know. Um, so so tell us about what that experience has been like. Um, you know, if you can give us a couple of highlights. You know, I know you've recently um, had a big draft uh, had a big draft party that you activated and. Uh, yeah, just just talk to us about what that what that experience has been like. No, yeah, for sure. And you're so right. The NFL stage, there's nothing like it. And I've definitely, I definitely, I I feel like I wasn't prepared for our first game because everyone was telling me they were like, it's different. Like sixty five thousand people in a building. Like there's nothing like it. Like I'd never attended an NFL game before this oh, job not. oh wow i've only only watched nfl and all of that so it was definitely like something that like i had no experience in and i was just walking into it blindly some at some moments but it has been an experience of a lifetime i think this is the experience that really took my career to the next level um, and I think it, once again, it, it goes back to the relationships and the people you're with, um, from, from day one, my boss told me I, I was hired on as an associate in the game presentation department. And he told me from day one, I will never treat you as an associate. You're my coordinator and there's nothing different. Like you're, and like, I think that instills some type of confidence in you that yeah. from day one, that you're already trusted in many ways. And that's huge 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 because it gives you the confidence to go out there and do your thing and all of that um but there have been so many highlights i think the first one that comes to mind is like one or two weeks into the job um i was on a production shoot for the vikings um this year my team created an entirely new introduction video for the vikings um when you go to any NFL game or NBA, any league, what's there's, there's going to be some type of lead up moment with a video component. Um, and the thing that was unique about this experience is that many teams go to third party vendors. There are many production companies that like, that is their thing. Like they are made to create these type of videos for teams across the country. And they are amazing. Um, but my team this year, we're like, we don't want to do that. We want it to be completely in-house. We want it to be our project. And we don't, we don't believe that those companies will 
do it the justice that we will have as people that work for the Vikings. And that's very, very bold of them to have that mentality because that is not the norm by any means across (laughs) the league. Like, (laughs) right. There are majority don't do that because it's very, very difficult. And like, it needs to be like super high level production. So yeah, coming into it, I was two weeks and I was right on their production shoots for that intro video. And there were so many different components from uh, an orchestra piece by the Minnesota orchestra that was custom made for the Vikings that led into a live sequence with all our cheerleaders, drumline, flag runners who have the Vikings written on it um, to like history with traditions and having iconic players from the past with the Vikings in this video. So it's about an eight minute sequence and it ends with snow in the building, um, which is insane that we were able to do something like that because we came up with that snow idea probably a month out from the season kicking off. Oh, Um, wow. Most people maybe don't know this, but the NFL has banned fire and pyro um, on field level because uh, a team did set their field on fire about a year or two ago. Yeah. Um, and that's, <laughs> that, that's a huge, That'll do it. Um, and that's a huge thing in most stadiums. Like that's what people get people excited. When the fire goes up, everyone's like, it's game time. Let's go. Yeah. So, for us, we're like, we know we're not going to have that. We have a huge dragon ship that blew out this like massive flame. It was yeah. crazy. Um, but we knew that we weren't going to get fire this year. And that was going to be something that would be underwhelming to fans. And we wanted to be creative and bring some type of special effect that no other stadium does. Um, and we have this phrase that, you know, you can take the fire away, but you can't take the snow away from Minnesota because we'll always have that. Um, so we installed about like 30 to 40 snow machines across our stadium. And during that introduction sequence, that's when snow comes down from the upper bowl, hits the lower bowl. And everyone's looking up, be like, is it snowing in this indoor stadium? Uh-huh. <laughs> you're like oh god i gotta shovel again <laughs> that was definitely one of those key moments from this past year that i will forever have awesome. in my career book because it's just like you don't get to say that very often that you got to be a part of a project that's so special and it's yeah. amazing to hear from other professionals in the league come to us and say that they saw it and how cool it is um so to get that respect is like what what really makes it rewarding for us sometimes. Um, right. But another thing, probably the key key two weeks of my time in the last year with the Vikings was um, it was the second and third home game of the season. Um, and about a month before, I knew that coming into this job, my boss, his wife was pregnant and she was going to have a baby come season time. Right. Um, so in the back of my mind, I knew there could be a situation where he's not going to be there and it's going to be on me to lead everything game production wise on the field. Um, and I didn't think it was going to be as early as it was. Right. Um, and after the first game, we, he, uh, two days later, his wife gave birth to their baby. Um, oh. so he had to step away for about two weeks, understandably, of course, yeah, um, to have his first kid. And that kind of put me in a very unique position of I'm an associate. I've only worked one NF two preseason games and one NFL regular season game. Right. And now I would be in charge of everything from programming the elements on game day to the actual live execution on the fields, leading a team of about 150 game day staff, leading production meetings a lot of different responsibilities that maybe I didn't have the full grasp on, but it was in a way an opportunity for me to step into something that was very uncomfortable. I think in my career, I grow the most when I'm uncomfortable. I think everyone does it. It really puts the fire on you. See, do you got it? Do you got the moment? Are you going to be able to live up to the pressure and all of that? And you mean puts the snow on you. It puts the snow on you. Exactly. (laughs) I think 
for me, like I am a pretty calm person overall. Like there's, there's not much that gets to me, but to tell you, I was nervous out of my pants. Oh man. Those two games, it was definitely a lot to take on, but it was an experience that allowed me to step into a leadership role and to kind of make a name for myself within the Vikings organization, because everyone knew that this was the situation and what it was going to be. Yeah. Um, and all eyes were on you. All eyes were on me. Like I was in charge of everything on the field and it was cool to kind of like, it was like an out of body experience. Cause you're like in the uh-huh. moment, I'm just like, let's just get this done. Like we got to yeah. get this, this, this. And um, it was awesome to be a part of some really cool moments and also see that my ideas on programming were coming to life and people reacted to it very well. And when that um, two game stretch was over, I'll say I was definitely exhausted, but to get the praise from people, to get the validation that I'm doing something right. I think, as I said, I'm an overthinker. So I sometimes think like, Oh, I don't know if I'm doing it right. Right, um, right. Get, that was awesome and it was when my boss came back he the first thing he said to me he's like nothing changes here that i'm back like this is your field now basically and he's like i'm gonna be there with you but this is your field all right um, and that's uh that's something that once again like it's the trust of your team it's yeah. it's it's validation that you are meant for this people trust you to execute and it only allowed me to grow even more throughout the rest of the season. And by the end of it, like my boss was just standing back and watching me kind of do my thing and off like, wow, like this guy can do my job. Like that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so it, it was super exciting two weeks, super stressful. Um, but those are probably some pretty standout stuff for me. And yeah. as we headed into the off season, we didn't make the playoffs sadly, but we, had an awesome draft party about two or three weeks ago. Um, this was the first one since 2019. So it's, I think for us in the Vikings, we really care about our tent pole events. The game days are the big thing, but we have so many events throughout the year that has a lot of work put into it and kind of promotes our brand and what we're all about. And mm-hmm. um, the draft party was one of those. And it was cool to just see our fans super excited. We, hired a new head coach, a new general manager this off season. So mm-hmm. we're kind of describing it as the new era of Vikings football. And there's this new energy in the building and the draft party was going to be that first major event for those individuals to be kind of connecting with those fans. Like after they made their draft pick, we made sure to connect them to the stadium so they could share a message with fans. And right. it was super awesome. It was the, most attended draft party in I think the last five or six years. So it shows that events are still thriving. People still want those in-person experiences. Right. And it doesn't mean that virtual experiences are away, but I, I definitely do prefer that in person. So that's kind of the Vikings in a nutshell, but I could talk about it forever. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you for talking about it, Tom. You know, a couple of things that uh, as you were talking, I was I was thinking about, um, and one is 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 building your portfolio, right? In in your line of work, I imagine it's the type thing where you hang your hat on on these moments that you've shared with us, and um, and and they their ways of of building your career um, for that potential next step, whether it be up within the organization or whether it be. Um, you know, uh, off to, to another one. And, um, you know, I love that. Um, I love also that, that you shared, um, it it sounds like you, you've had a couple of really great, uh, uh, I I won't call them bosses, even though you've called them bosses. It sounds like they're more like mentors. Um, and and that's the, can, can you reflect on that? It, it, It feels like to me that that's, that's the difference. You know, if you, if you have someone that is um, uh, in a supervisory position to you that feels more like a mentor than a boss, that feels like that's the, that's the key, right? Is that, am I, am I on, am I on to something there? A hundred percent. I think for me, like even at this point in my career, like I, 
I have gone through interview processes where I didn't feel a connection with the people on the other side of that interview. And I think sometimes you think that you're supposed to kind of appease to them and Mm -hmm. that you should be grateful that like they're talking to you and yes, you should. And it's great experience, but I also look at interviews as um, you're interviewing them. Like I've been in a position where I have been offered a job with an organization, but from the interview experience, I did not want to work for those individuals. And I think Mm. that is something that's so important that you are going to be with these people the majority of the time, Monday through Friday, weekends on game days, all of that. So you really need to envision yourself being with those people and your morals, your values, how you function, how you communicate is in that realm. And I think for me, especially here at the Vikings, like my my men- my boss, my mentor, he he's my friend at the end of the day. Like I have such a load of respect for him. Like his wins are my wins, like and vice versa. Everything yeah. that I do is a win for him. And he's even said it with so much success from this new introduction video and everything we accomplished from a rating standpoint. Um, in the NFL, we have something called Voice of the Fan and kind of rates different elements of game day and Game entertainment is in there and the Vikings were ranked very high. And that's a huge accomplishment. And it, it, it's from the peers across the organ, across the league. So it, it's a little very validating to know that. Yeah. And he, he even told me today about it. He's like, everything we accomplished last season was incredible, but I think my biggest accomplishment was you. And I think to have someone that thinks that way and like wants the best for you at the end of the day is something that's priceless and makes work worth it at the end of the day. Cause yeah, for me, I'm all about people as I've said, but I'm also about people understanding that we have lives outside of it. Like for me, like I am a huge advocate for work-life balance. I work in an industry of the sports world that like there isn't a lot of it sometimes. And I think there is the, the mentality of, Oh, I gotta, I gotta work, work, work all the time. So I gotta make a name for myself. And yes, that is true to some extent, but I also have always valued my life and my time above that. I, I love working in the NFL. I love working for the Vikings and that is on its own, but my life is different. Like there's, there's a life outside of it and you need to understand that you want to be around people that Mm -hmm. support that. And my boss has done that throughout my entire experience here, he's allowed me to, if I say, Hey, I need a mental day. Like I, I can't do it today. Like there's no questions asked. There's right. take the day off. Like, don't even worry about it. We'll talk tomorrow. And I think yeah. if mentors are huge in this industry because not only do they open doors for you in the future, but they're that support system that yeah. kind of yeah. gets you through those really tough moments on game days, you only see the very pretty and the very amazing things. <laughs> right. We had a flow ride, a halftime show, and that was a huge production. And it was a lot of work and it had a lot of great reviews, but there were a lot of things behind the scenes that were really difficult to work with. And you want to be with the right people in those situations. And to have that support on a daily is what makes it worth it. Well, that's great. And that that's also really, really great to hear about the work-life balance. I mean, I know that's one thing that I've worried about for, for some for some time because, you know, when you're in a sport environment, profe- particularly professional sport where there's so much competition for jobs and, and, and you know, um, frankly, a lot of turnover. Um, there, there's historically been a lot of turnover. And I think it's it's because of that aspect, right, of, of everyone working too much and burnout and everyone always looking to, to um, potentially one up the next person because, you know, you got to try to get ahead. And, you know, that's that's not a health that's not a healthy environment. And so it's so great to hear that you're in a healthy environment and one where where people care about work life balance. And I think from from what I'm hearing that the people in the sport world are, are starting to realize and be a little bit more progressive along those lines and in recognizing that, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it can be stressful and, um, and we've got to, we've got to 
not just pay lip service to that, but, but be real about it and realize that, that, you know, people need, need support. And it's great to hear that, that you're getting that Tom, I can't thank you enough for the time that you spent uh, tonight. It's so great to hear from you. It's so great to see you being so successful. And, um, you know, I, I obviously, I follow you on LinkedIn and, and to see the things that you post and, and to know that, that you're thriving, um, is, uh, it just means, means so much. I mean, you know, we live, uh, we, we professors live vicariously through you all. And, you know, we, we, we get to know you and get to care about you while you're here. And, and then to see you go off in the world and do great things. I mean, you know, uh, we sometimes, uh, we sometimes get criticized as academics, you know, that, that, uh, uh, do what I, uh, it, you know, that, that we can teach it, but we can't do it. And, um, and, and I, I can say both that I can't teach it and I can't do it what you do. <laughs> and, uh, and I look up to you like big time. Like I can't even imagine being in front of 65,000 people and putting on something like you just shared with us. I mean, it's just so exciting and so rewarding uh, to hear you hear you talk. And so thank you so much for the time you spent with us tonight. No, I appreciate it. And honestly, you're doing you're doing the real work. I think for me, like my biggest thing coming into year two with the Vikings is opening that door for the next people, you know, like Right. I think in the academic world at universities, like that's where it all begins. That's where you spark that fire in people and kind of open their eyes to what's possible. So it's it's been fun being on here and you got to come to a Vikings game next year. Oh man. I love it. I love it. I would, I would love that. That is awesome. I appreciate it. Well, thanks so much, Tom. Uh, don't be a stranger. It's great talking to you. Thank you. See ya.